Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Hi there. We are back. Uh, we're really back all the way from England, and we're almost unjet-lagged. How about you, Richard? How are you feeling? Well, I'm probably feeling a little better than you, sweetie, because you wiped that little grandson's nose so many times and finally <laughs> one of those little germs crawled up your arm and got into your nose and now you've got a cold. I do have a cold, but actually it could be a lot worse. Man, when we were there, our last day was crazy. Um, I think we mentioned the car breakdowns last week. Um, <laughs> and actually on Sunday, our, our daughter, we daughter. barely got home. And they finally got the car fixed again and brought it back to him again. And then we got this text. Um, and it said... Yesterday we got Yesterday. It. <laughs> and it said the car broke down again. And we almost died. We almost went ballistic. Honestly, we, were... we just thought, how can this happen? How can this be? So today, my daughter calls me from London on Vonage Free Call. And she's been gone all day to Castle. And she said, oh, I forgot to write back. That was April Fool's. <laughs> oh, my so we gosh. We were mad the whole day. Oh, we were so worried about her because her husband turned up with this huge infection in his neck, and his glands are all swollen up, and they took him to the emergency room, and their baby was sick, as Richard just mentioned, and could One barely of them gave breathe. It to you. I think the baby gave it to you. Yeah, no, not Jeff, because I didn't even hardly see him. He was in bed throwing up. So. All the joys, all the joys of taking care of sick grandkids. I bet yeah. every grandparent listening has had that wonderful opportunity to sacrifice by going and taking care of grandkids when they're sick and then knowing that you're probably going to come down with it. But that's nothing like the old days when. One kid would get something, and then you'd sort of feel happy if all the other kids got it the very next day so they could all have it at the same time. But usually what happens is one would give it to one other one, and then he'd have it for a few days and give it to another one. And by the time you stretched it all out, it was like a chain, and you had somebody sick in the family for like a month before the the germ finally couldn't find anyone else to infect. <laughs> that's exactly right. And usually that's the way it is at reunions, too, although we've been so lucky the last two years. I mean, for the first two or three years, it was hysterical how many people were throwing up and then the next person throw up and throw up, or diarrhea, <laughs> diarrhea, or cough, 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 cough. It would just go all the way through the whole time we were together. And, you know, it's an interesting thing in England where, where we've just been with our, with our little grandkids there they're really really i mean it's such a different medical system in a lot of ways and it's not all bad i mean americans love to say oh socialized medicine it must be terrible it must be horrible but in a lot of ways it's it's quite good and uh but but one of the things that's you know you have to judge for yourself whether it's good or bad is they just don't give antibiotics the way american doctors do they say you know Go home and let the kid, uh, you know, give him some Tylenol and let him fight off this infection because he needs to build up his immunity. And, man, it's it's like pulling teeth to get antibiotics out of him. And here, I know a lot of families, they just have the old pink stuff in the fridge all the time, right? And you just uh, haul it out when anyone starts to cough. Well, or pills. But it is funny how we go up and down on these rules about kids and whether they should lay on their babies, should lay on their tummies or their backs. All of our kids survived laying on their tummies the entire time. (laughs) 
And now they're saying, well, no, that's death. They, they could so easily die if they're on their tummies. Yeah, but our kids survived not riding around in the back of a big van without seatbelts. Yeah, too, that's And we true. wouldn't want to recommend that to anyone today. That's true. Nor would you dare because, you know, next to parking in a handicapped stall, not putting a seatbelt on a kid is about the worst sin, uh, you know, under heaven these that's days. Right. And that's then true. Then that's probably a good thing. It probably is. I think it saved a lot of lives, but it sure is a pain. But the other thing that it really bugs is that now they've come up with new medical rules, and now I don't know if it's like this in the States, but, you know, this poor little baby can barely breathe. I mean, it's just running, just nose running all day long, just down his chin and down his clothes. And, and I'm saying, let's get down there and get some Dimetap. Let's get some decongestant in this baby. And she's saying, oh, no, no, the doctors say now don't give decongestant because it masks the symptoms. <laughs> That's and the I'm whole point. That's what we're trying to do is mask the symptoms. The child can't <laughs> sleep. The child can't eat. I mean, really, she's nursing this baby. He cannot eat because he is so stuffed up. And, I mean, isn't that what Tylenol is about? Doesn't that mask the symptoms? I just don't get it. You know, it. We, we weren't, the, this show is not going to be on, on uh yeah, don't medicine. worry. Don't worry. We're not going to stay on this for long. But uh, the thing we enjoy about Ayers on the Road is we always talk about what's on our minds, and we hope some of the time, at least, it connects with what's on your mind. And I do have a little medical advice, Linda. You want to hear my medical advice to parents? Oh, I can't wait for this. Well, I'll say it in two parts. Number one, you know, be be calmer than most new parents are. Don't always assume the worst and don't think you have to get treated for every little thing that comes along because kids outgrow most things and get over things on their own. But that's a very general rule, and you have to be in tune with your own child to know when, when he really needs a doctor. But here's the other. Here's part two. I, and I, you know, I hope doctors who may be listening will not be offended. I don't think they will be by what I'm going to say, at least not good doctors. And that is, you are the parent. And when you take your child to the doctor, you deserve to ask your questions and get some answers. You, If you have a doctor, especially a pediatrician, who treats you like someone that doesn't have any any dog in the fight, so to speak, if you have a doctor that sort of looks at you like, why are you asking a question? You're not the doctor. I'm the doctor. Then you look right back in that doctor's eyes and you say, I'm the parent, and I'll ask whatever question I want, and if you can't answer them, I'll find another doctor. Woo, that was pretty strong, wasn't it, Linda? Yes, but that's very <laughs> typical of Richard Iyer, so I'm not surprised. Uh, that is not exactly how I would handle it. We've been having this discussion this afternoon. <laughs> Well, we we think that uh, Linda's a little too accommodating and I'm a little too demanding, but somewhere in between us is the right spot. And I do feel bad for parents who go to the doctor and really don't get the answers they went there to get. And I do think that doctors are like any other service provider in the extent that you need to be somewhat clear about the fact that you're the one in charge and you would really appreciate it if they'd answer your questions. And usually they will, you know, once they know you mean business. And sometimes, really, they don't know the answer to your questions. <laughs> you just have to figure it out yourself. Well, that's why we say bad. that. That's why we say they're practicing medicine. They haven't quite learned it yet, right. but they're practicing. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. We love doctors, and thank goodness for them. And what would we do without them? No kidding. Man, they've saved our lives a lot of times. Literally, a couple of times, <laughs> <Literally>. actually. <laughs> that's right. 
But anyway, we wanted to just get that off our chest a little, and then and we wanted to. It actually is kind of a segue into one of the things we wanted to talk about today, which is that uh, you know Linda and I have had an interesting day talking back and forth about uh, some some situations that uh, where where we think someone may have offended one of our children, and and you know. Parents are like lions, right? When when some there's a lot of parents I know, and I think we fit into this, Linda. Where hey, say anything you want about me. Go and go ahead. You just try to offend me. You can't offend me. I'm 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 above that and so on. But man, when someone offends one of your kids, whether it's another adult or whether it's another kid, oh my gosh, it's amazing how strong the emotions are that parents feel, and they're good emotions in the sense that. You know, we have a protective instinct about our children. In fact, sometimes we protect them way too much. And one of the things that's really, really hard for parents to find a balance on is when do I step in and when do I let the child sort of work that out for himself and uh, make his own decision. There, There were some good examples of that there's some good stories in the lds general conference of our, of our church this this last little while i i love the one linda i want to get your comment on it too where where the speaker was saying um you know uh our daughter was is a, was a really great uh soccer player and turned out that the final of this entire tournament was on a sunday and the team you know it's the same story we've all heard before but it was very personal in this speaker's case and and you know she's just a a kid and the team and the coaches are saying we really need you you're like the star of our team and and we need you on sunday and she's like well but i i don't think i you know according to my church i i don't think i should play on sunday and they're they're urging her and and the parents on the other hand are saying what do we do do we put our foot down and say hey we don't believe in playing on Sunday. Well, in this case, they didn't. And I think it's this story, and a lot of you may have heard it, but it's probably worth repeating. In this case, the parents said, it's your choice. You know you know what the situation is. It's a tough choice. Weigh the options. And, and of course, they were secretly hoping she'd decide not to play. But she came in after a while and said, I've thought a lot about it. I'm going to play. And they had told her that it was her option. It was her choice. And so uh, what did they do? Did they say, well, it's your choice if you make the choice we'd want you to make. Just kidding, yeah. Just kidding. But they said, okay, fine. And and I loved how that story ended. She played, and then after the game she said, you know, that was a mistake. I felt I felt terrible about it the whole time. I really do believe. And, again, we're not projecting this on everyone. In, in her particular case, it was part of the way she'd been raised and what her church had taught her not to play on Sunday, and so she she said, I learned a lesson, and I don't think I'm in the future going to play on Sunday. It's just I don't I don't condemn people who do play on Sunday, but for me, I'm just not going to do that. But she learned it. The point is they let her struggle with the decision, and I was thinking after that, Linda, how many things in life, are you going to fight all your kids' battles for them? Are you going to make all the decisions for them, or are you – going to let them learn from their mistakes as well as their successes. Well, I, I really love that talk, too, and because it really, 
indicates that we really need to turn the ownership over to our kids. Sometimes we're so controlling with our kids that we think they have to do this or they have to eat this or they have to go there and, and so on. And, and a lot of times, I mean, obviously you can't do that with everything. And we often say, you know, family laws supersede uh, decisions that they may want to make on their own because if that's a family law, you don't disobey that. But at the same time, it really is such a good idea to put ownership in the hands of the kids. And That's right. And, you know, we always say this thing about ownership is so important to us, but we also like to say your job as a parent, when you really think about it, is to work your way out of a job. In other words, you want to get kids to the point where they can take over and make their own choices and their own decisions. I I think back, Linda, to a a story. Uh, a lot of you have done joy school in your families and so on. It's a preschool program that emphasizes social and emotional joys instead of early academics. And uh, there, one of my favorite stories in that program is... Well, here we are back again, Linda. We need to go on just a little bit with this whole idea of giving kids ownership of their decisions because we just think that is one of the most important things we can do with our kids. I mean, Richard mentioned how important it is to work our way out of a job, but it's also important to make our kids critics. I mean, we need to sit by them instead of flipping off the television when there's something objectionable and instead of saying, why are you watching that junk? You know, if it's not too objectionable, and our TV is not as bad as it is in England, for example, you never know when you're going to turn on the TV if there's going to be nudity or what's going to be going on. But um, here there are some really bad things that go on, and even advertisements are terrible sometimes. And I think if we sit with our kids and say, you know, I don't really agree with the way that was done. Um, There was something wrong with that picture. What do you think? And then uh, have them express their feelings. Well, you know, this, that, and the other. And then you can say, I totally agree, or I totally disagree, (laughs) depending on what they say. And then say, this is how I feel about this. And then let them know how you feel. Now, there's no guarantee that they're going to say, oh, yep, that's exactly what I think, especially if you're sitting next to a teenager. But it is really important to get them on board and let them feel like they are learning to be critics for what they see in the world because it's kind of a scary world. Well, and I just uh, I just have so much empathy for you, Linda, because you just sound so sick with your voice, and I just want to come in there and give you some antibiotics. <laughs> I did just take some, actually. No, but I, I just want to back up what what Linda just said. That uh, it it is. I mean, it's a it is a balance. It's a delicate balance because and and the the sort of overall thing to think I think as parents is. Look, we have some behavioral laws, and the clearer and simpler those family laws are, the better. And when a child is violating one of those, there's no discussion, there's no question, there's a consequence, and the child pays it. Although there may be a chance to repent in some ways and, 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 and say they're sorry and avoid the punishment, but there, you set that legal system aside, and that covers certain things. But then... What's left is just all kinds of other things that aren't covered by a law. You can never, you want to have a few simple laws not to try to create a law for everything. And and you brought up a good example. You know, what do you allow kids to watch on TV? They, they can't always know what's going to come on. I mean, you can govern, you can have a law about how much they watch TV and what hours they can watch it, and more and more families that we're acquainted with, and we should spend a whole show on this sometime, Linda. Don't let their kids watch TV at all during the week, and, and they have a VCR or a TiVo, and they can 
They can record whatever they want and watch it on the weekend. So there's lots of approaches. But the point is that Linda's making, and I think I want to just follow up on it, is that when there is something that comes on that's objectionable or, or anything, and, you know, if you hear your child listening to a rap song you don't like or if you, you know, if if you look on, uh, and the biggest one that worries most parents is if you see they've been on a web a website that you know may have objectionable things on it, not pornography perhaps, but something you'd prefer that they not be spending their time on. How how heavy-handed do you get, and how much do you try to help the child become his own critic? I'll just tell you a quick story um, to illustrate the point. One of our sons, one, I w- I've been thinking about this whole thing about trying to give more freedom and make a child his own critic instead of making all the choices for him. And, I, and right after that, I happened to be down in one of our kids' rooms, and he was listening to rap music. And it was the, the song I found particularly offensive that he was listening to. And normally, I, I have to say, probably in my most normal self, I would have said, let me have that CD. I'm going to go out with a hammer and smash it in a million pieces. But I, I, I probably did a little better that particular time, and I... I I sort of calmly said, son, what are you, um, I'm just, you know, I didn't say it critically. I just tried to be objective. What do you, what do you find that you like in, in that uh, particular rap song? And, and he, he gave a great answer. You know, he actually did. He said, the rhythm in that song is fantastic, Dad. And he started telling me things about syncopation and counter rhythms and so on. I didn't even know he knew. I didn't know him. But he was right. The point is, he was right. It was it was brilliantly uh, the, the percussion, and it was brilliant. And then I said, well, "Okay." Uh, and in fact, before I said anything, he finished up with that, and then he said, "But Dad, the words are horrible. The words suck. How do they get away with that?" You know. <laughs> and I excuse him for using that word. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, but that's the word our son used. And I and I thought, thank goodness I didn't come down here and lower the boom on you. You're a pretty good critic. You 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 know. You have to decide, are the crappy words so offensive that you don't want to listen to the rhythm, you know? And it led to a pretty good discussion. And that's what, that's what I think you're saying, Linda, is if we can put our kids in situations where we can maybe be their consultants a little bit, but more and more as they get older and older, we try to let them make their choices. And, and, and you don't beat yourself up as a parent if they make a little wrong choice now and then. In fact, that may be the very thing that is the best teaching method of all. Yeah, in fact, you know, there are kids who go with their friends who want to go to an R-rated movie, and they know that it's probably not going to be the greatest thing to see, but they give in to, um, you know, peer pressure. And if they come to you having told you um, what happened and you know, gosh, I, sh- I just felt terrible in the whole movie and I should have had the courage to get up and leave because it was really inappropriate. You know, those kinds of things they'll tell you if you're open to them as you talk to them about making those kinds of decisions. And if you're angry and I can't believe you did that, or if they, you know, find out through the grapevine that you've been to an R-rated, they've been to an R-rated movie and you get irate about it and so on, that just never does any good. You really need to get that confidence level going with the kids so they can come to you and tell you when they made a bad decision. You know, you, you know, I'm, I'm writing down uh, ideas for future shows, Linda, because I also want to spend a little time on 
on movies and rating systems, and, and I want to share some feelings that, that I have about that and that you and, and have you do the same, Linda. So we're going to do, at some point, TV rules. At some point, we're going to do movies and, and ratings and so on and kind of air that out a little. But uh, before we finish up today, we've still got another five minutes or so, and I wanted to get back to what we said at the beginning, which was how 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 wonderful it would be if all parents could create an environment and a, and a sort of a pattern where little differences between children, and this happens at all ages, this happens between little kids who are fighting over a toy with their sibling, all the way up to teenagers and, and even grown children who have offended each other in some way and they're not speaking or they're you know, they're just—they—they're holding a grudge of some kind. There's nothing worse uh, as a parent to see kids who are really at odds with each other. And and the problem is sometimes it's cumulative. Sometimes if you have something unresolved and then a couple of days go by and it sort of goes away and and you think it's well, it's gone, but it never really got aired out. It never really got resolved. And it's that old thing unexpressed feelings never die they just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms and we all hate that as parents don't we that to see little things building up and kids saying you know i just don't like my brother very much i don't think we'll ever see eye to eye i just think we're always going to be we're never going to be good friends i mean it just kills you when that happens and 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 i think the responsibility of a parent, and this may you may think, well, this goes against what they were just saying about letting kids work things out on their own. I think if you as a parent can facilitate situations where kids do resolve their own thing, the simplest form of that is the repenting bench that we've talked about many times on this show where two little kids who've been fighting have to sit on that bench till they can say what each of them did wrong, not what the other kid did wrong, and apologize and work it out, then the thing doesn't build up. But but you but put that in a more mature context, and even with older kids, can you facilitate a way where they get together and work it out? And maybe you're just there as an observer. Maybe you're just there to not try to be the judge and sort out who is right and who is wrong, but just to say, hey, in our family... One of the things we do is we work things out. We don't bury these feelings and start hating each other. Yeah, I think we didn't realize when we set up that repenting bench that that was going to be one of the side effects. Um, we really um, just wanted to get a little more peace in our house. We wanted kids to take ownership of their arguments and just get out of our hair so we didn't have to be the referee and figure out who's right and wrong and all that. But I think a side effect has really been that they've gotten those feelings out immediately and so that they didn't have to feel like oh i just i hate jason i hate you know whatever and and get that in their minds without working things out it really has been a good thing and as kids get older i guess our recommendation would be um when you are together for a family reunion or when when you have other opportunities maybe to to just talk together get a discussion going about the the, pri- the sort of preeminent importance of keeping open channels and open communications among family members and, and maybe even being honest enough to say, you know, everyone gets offended at times and everyone has differences at times and 
we as your parents respect the fact that you're not all the same and you're not all going to come to the same conclusion on everything but let's let's you know let's have a little pact a family pact here that uh we we don't bury things and we don't carry feelings around and you know, we go to each other one-on-one in love, and we work things out rather than let them fester. So we're out of time. The time flies, Linda, on these Ires on the Road shows, but we're going to be on the road again uh, a little closer to home this time in southern Utah, and we'll be talking to you about that and other things and I about think, parenting. Actually, I think we'll start next time with really some ways to help kids make decisions in advance, which we didn't get to today. And so we'll tell you how to formalize that and really get some stuff going with those kids, especially the older ones. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week. 